the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Pastor John Allworth. Impulsive behaviors and addictions are rampant in our society. People are in bondage to alcohol, drugs, pornography, codependent relationships, and more. If you or a loved one is stuck in the cycle of shame, guilt, and continued destructive behavior, keep listening. Recovery Radio Houston with Pastor John Allworth and Tony B. starts now. They'll take your calls and share how the healing power of a personal relationship with Christ saved them and can do the same for you or your loved ones. God wants you to walk into the light. Recovery Radio Houston is live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome again to another show of Recovery Radio Houston. We are just as excited as we always are to be here because... uh, we want to spread recovery. We want to shout from the mountaintop. There is a better way to live, and there is one who can take you there, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amen. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm here with my co-host, Tony B., and with our guest tonight, Philip, who's got an amazing testimony. So buckle up, because we're going to have some exciting times tonight. So, you know, Tony, this this show is is about hope. And there's one that offers hope in this difficult time. You know, we've got so much confusion and so much chaos in our land and people pointing fingers at each other and this group blaming that group and this group blaming the other. And, you know, there's one thing we need, and that's Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's what we should be concentrating on, block out all the noise and focus on him. And if we do that, you know, he's going to bring us together. You know, uh, Jesus said that a house divided cannot stand, and we need to be united as a country. So let's go into prayer. Father God, we come to you tonight, uh, Father, with a, a land that is in, in chaos, that's it's divided, Father, that uh, we've got some, some real problems, some of which are uh, real and some of which are, are exaggerated and imaginary. But what we need, Father, is we need you in our lives. We need you to focus us, Father. And we know that you're going to use the chaos and the crises in our lands to have a great awakening, to, for people to come back to where there's something with hope, and that hope is, is found in Jesus Christ, Father. So we ask that, that this, uh, this show reach out to others, so that uh, not so that we can help them, but so that you can help them, so that we can lead them to Jesus Christ. And we just ask that, that people have open hearts and open ears out there, and we also pray for the, the loved ones out there that are dealing with the collateral damage of addiction uh, we just uh, tell them that there's hope too, Father. There's, there's hope because we're, there's three miracles sitting here right now, Father. Amen. Jesus, Amen. you are still in the miracle business, and we thank you for that. We pray for our police officers out there who are risking their lives, and and uh, we pray for their safety. We pray for those who have been the victims of injustice, Father, and we we pray for justice in our land. We we just need to come together as one nation under God with godly wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 
All right. Uh, well, we're going to have a few announcements, and then we're going to interview Philip, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Philip is a uh, graduate of the Open Door Mission, which is a wonderful program that we've talked about very often on the show because we're just amazed at the work they do over there. It's truly uh, they're really doing the Lord's work, and and uh, they're taking people that are either that are homeless, that are addicted, that are on the streets, that have mental issues, uh, all these different kinds of problems, or people. Like Philip, who wasn't homeless, but uh, was was headed down the wrong, wrong road. Absolutely. And and changing their lives, transforming lives and turning them into, you know, just wait till you hear what Philip's doing today. So it's, it's just marvelous. But a couple of announcements first. First of all, this is our last live show at the 9 o'clock hour. At least that's the plan. Uh, we're going to, next week is July 4th. We're going to have a rerun uh, with uh, Tommy Thompson, who is, in fact, the CEO of the Open Door Mission. We're going to rerun our last interview with Tommy. Uh, it's a great interview. If you haven't caught it, uh, his, his story of overcoming addiction is incredible. And what he's doing today to to lead this this mission, this this uh, this wonderful uh, ministry that that that's you know just transforming lives. As I said, uh, it's a wonderful interview, and, and you know he's in recovery himself, and it's just amazing, T- Tony. The the more that I'm involved in this, that I learn how many people out there are, that are there that God has put on their heart to help other people. You know, it's because we've been um, that we've been changed and we've been restored that we are able to see that there are so many uh, parts of our society that don't see that stuff going on. It's a lot of lack of knowledge about uh, the work of the kingdom that's going on right around us. That if we just tap into it, if more of us would tap into that outside of the faith community, then it would benefit just more than than uh, people like us. It would benefit everybody to know what's going on. Oh, addiction is rampant in this country, as we say in our introduction. Addiction to alcohol, drugs, and all kinds of things. But I'm telling you, people, if you're if you're out there and you're under the bondage of addiction, or if you have a loved one that's under the bondage of addiction, there is hope. It's amazing if you just open your eyes, like Tony just said. God puts people in the in your path that'll help you. But you got to be willing, right? That's Tony? right. Yeah, you got to yeah. be willing. Give them the phone number, Pastor. Yeah, if you want to join the show, you can call us at one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. That's one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. You can also join us on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. Uh, go to Recovery Radio Houston, our Facebook page, and and you can watch us. Uh, but call us at one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. And, and join the program. So let's get going with our guest, Philip. How are you tonight? I'm outstanding. How are you guys? We're we're doing wonderful. It's good to have you here. Thank you and, very much. Uh, you are a graduate of the Open Door Mission. Yes, I am. I graduated at the end of May, and after being there since November 18th of last year. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah. Talk, so, but let's go through what we like to do, Philip. Is is we like to to go through somebody's you know tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about somebody's life. You know, because we are overcomers by the blood of a lamb and the word of our testimony. The Bible tells us that, and the devil tries to keep us down with lies that we're no good, that we can't do things. And uh, but God's still in the miracle business. And, Absolutely. Uh, and as I said, there's three of us sitting here right now. So we're going to go through a little bit about your life when you started drinking, when when the addiction really uh, got you in bondage, uh, your efforts to get sober, and then what finally worked this time, and then what you're up to with today. That because, sounds great. Yeah, because that's, that's a wonderful thing. So tell us, where are you from, Philip? I was born in uh, South Florida. I was born and raised there, and uh, it was really a wonderful time being growing up around the beach and 
everything else. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Tony a little bit. We both used to play music, and mm-hmm. it was really fun playing playing in bands down there in South Florida and waiting for all the spring breakers to come down. That is fun, but it's also an environment that oh, uh, yes. th- that can be dangerous. You know, absolutely. I, a feeding ground. Yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, you you were had an interesting family. How many kids and brothers and sisters did you have? I'm the youngest of uh, seven kids, and it's uh, yeah, very interesting. When I was born, I was born nine years after my mom had her tubes tied with my brother. And uh, needless to say, I was a surprise. Wow! Uh, when I was born, uh, how both, did that happen? Uh, Apparently they came untied. <laughs> wow! So uh, my uh, my two sisters had children when I was born. So I was born an uncle. I had three nephews and two nieces when I was born. So wow, that are older than you. Oh yes. You know, but I tell you how that happened. It's because God had a mission for you. That's right. And uh, and and God uh, wanted you, you know you got a special purpose on your life, my brother. I'm thinking uh, so. Yeah, you know he 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 you know it took. Sometimes it takes us a while to realize what that mission is and what that purpose is. But, you know, I want you to know if you're out there that no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, that God loves you more than you can possibly imagine, that if you'll turn your life over to him, he will forgive you. And he's got a mighty purpose in your life. It's waiting there. It's just waiting for you to claim it, man. And uh, But but you got to do it. it. You know, without God, we can't. But without me, God won't. So you've got to claim it. So, okay, so you grow up in South Florida. Uh, when, uh, you, you know, you and I visited earlier today and, and had lunch the other day. So I, I know your story, and it's amazing. But um, when did you start drinking uh, for fun? started drinking for fun in high school and you know just experimenting with a lot of different things just like a lot of kids did back then and you know i would say that you know started drinking on a regular basis probably 16 to 18 years old and you know for quite some time drinking was my solution it uh you know it made me feel like i fit in it made me feel like you know i could dance better than everybody else <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah. what i'll say and uh, you know, it it was it was part of the thing that made me a part of something. It it gave me something that uh, something that I experience now when I wasn't looking for it. You know, drinking in earnest was part of my career. Um, I started in the advertising and marketing and communications business when I was uh, very young, and you know the all of the promotions that I received in management and in sales and my customers, that was all based on entertaining people and being out there and, and drinking and having a great time. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing how it's woven into the fabric of our society. I mean, you know, and I can understand why, cause we're going to get into the medical reasons. There's actually medical reasons for this, but liquor stores are considered essential businesses. Absolutely. In this, in this Isn't that something? It, it really is. And so it's, and what you said, you know, it's difficult going through those high school years and we all want to fit in and we want to be like the, Tony's talked a lot about how he wanted to be like the older kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're, 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 we don't really have our feet underneath us yet or confidence and boy, you have a couple of drinks and things change, you know. But one thing I want to lead that into is, though, for some of us genetically, that's a difficulty. Oh, yes. You, you told me something about, okay, you had seven brothers and sisters. Tell me about your family experience with, with uh, addiction. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You know, my uh, my father was an alcoholic, and my my entire life he struggled with alcohol. And as I said, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Uh, every single one of us have struggled with addiction. Wow. And uh, 
four of us are already deceased, so there's only three of us left. And um, alcohol and drugs had a large part to play in, in the demise of my family. You know, my father died when I was 15. He was uh, 63 years old, and he looked wow. like he was 103 years old. Mm. And uh, You know, yeah. we hear numbers over and over again. Tony's heard this, and, and people that are listening, that have listened before have heard this. But that's, you know, I didn't, you didn't, we didn't talk about that today. But my mother's, uh, my dad's father died at 63 of alcohol-related complications. My mother's father died at 62 of alcohol-related liver and my mom died of liver failure at 61. So, you know, we can we can function like you talked about in the entertainment industry and entertaining your clients or the marketing. Right. We can function for a while. But, folks, this is a progressive disease Absolutely. That, that will catch up to you. And there seems to be something around the 14 to 16 age. when That when, magic age of 14. When people start experimenting. And something about the early 60s that really hardcore people... You, the body just won't do it, you know. There, are, there are exceptions, of course. So you had, you had your dad was an alcoholic. You got seven brothers and sisters, and four of them all died because of alcohol-related definitely or, or some sort of yeah, addiction. Absolutely, issue. yes. My, uh, my brother Mark lives in Virginia Beach. He'll be sixty-five this year. He's the first male member of my family that's lived over the age of sixty-three. So I'm hoping to be number two. <laughs> well, brother, you keep walking the road you're on now, and I know you will. God's got you on the right road. You will be. But uh, And then you told me that uh, you've got some other nephews and nieces that have struggled with alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a nephew that passed away that was uh, addicted, and I also have a niece that struggled with alcohol as well, and she's, she's also deceased. And uh, their mother, my sister, uh, struggled with alcohol and pain medication her entire life. I actually had a little mini argument, and I try not to be too argumentative on Facebook. It's uh, I'm not sure that Facebook is – we're on Facebook right now, and that may be a good thing, but there's a lot of things about Facebook that, that I think have hurt our society uh, because people can say whatever they want. Well, social it, media as a whole. Absolutely. You, you know, know, it's it's divided us. It really well, I think has. it started because of the, the amount of attention that people gave it. So then they said, wow, the marketing opportunities here. Yeah. And then the tracing of the marketing and the, you know, the algorithms to hit this certain person and ask them what they like and show them this, this many type of ads. I mean, it just got the more technology increased, the more out of control it got. It, it just amazes me that somebody can put something on Facebook and everybody will believe it. I, I don't care mm-hmm. if it's left or if it's right or from, from where it's from. You know, people believe it. I mean, come on. Hey, look at this. Denzel Washington has cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Where'd you hear that? I heard it on Facebook. Facebook. It must be true. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just crazy. Whatever statistic, and and, and unfortunately, it's out of control. But in any event, there are good things about Facebook. Uh, You can can do some research. Back it up, folks. You know, make sure there's a good source. But uh, And you can communicate with friends and and, and et cetera. But uh, it it is amazing, all the problems on Facebook. Anyway, I lost my train of thought. We were talking about uh, your family and – and all the difficult. Oh, here's what, where it was. I got an argument with a guy on Facebook about whether or not addiction is genetically predisposed. I mean, there is study after study after study. Now, this doesn't give an excuse, folks. I'm not saying that. We have to take personal responsibility yes. for, for our own conduct. But there's no question that, it, that there's a genetic predisposition. I countered with an article from Harvard Medical School, and, you know, the guy didn't have much to say about that. But in any <laughs> event, <laughs> there was a pretty comprehensive study. It is it, – so, you know – it's it's hard for people. We're trying to help people out there, and primarily probably people that have addictions in their life. There's a hard balance between loving them and enabling them. Yes. 
there's a hard balance about when to show them love and and when to put your foot down. I mean, we had a caller. Well, well relative to that, and going back to the, the social media footprint in our society, what what's the number one thing people have with social media? A platform. Yes. Nobody can tell you to shut up, and you don't have to listen. You can say whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and. What's the number one thing that people like us start believing? Ourselves, <laughs> our own truth. Yeah, so, it, so I mean, it, it, one feeds off the other. So it's no, it's no mystery in my eyes, anyway, well, as to how society's changed with the imprint of social media, addictive personality or not. That's a, that's an excellent point, Tony. Because you know, I heard in a meeting once that um, you know, addiction leads to isolation. Ultimately, oh yes, and weren't you isolated before you went into absolutely? Open door? You yeah. know, it, it's it's ironic how. You know, alcohol is, serves as a social lubricant in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then in the very end, the only thing I wanted to do was draw the blinds and be by myself. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it, 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 it really is. It, it, it's a complete reversal. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, from my belief, that's the enemy tricking us, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he tells us this is this great thing that you can get out there and be Superman, and it turns you into whatever, man, isolated man. And the thing about isolated, feeding off what Tony just said, is I heard this in a meeting, and I thought it was so profound. I wish I could claim I've made it up. But when you're isolated, you get really bad advice, you know, because uh, right. you're listening to yourself. <laughs> Listen to do yourself. And, and, and we have this tendency to, to as addicts, we, we think we can fix everything. We think we've got all the answers. We've got pride. We've got ego. And that becomes very destructive as we well, go down this. Well, then what happens? We go on our Facebook page or our Instagram page or our Twitter page and and we start our rant, right? And then all of a sudden we start seeing little thumbs up coming and we get approval. And then we say, well, I really get a lot of likes now. Let me tell the, the truth, quote unquote, about this. Blah, 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 blah. And we start feeding off of our own aura. Yeah, we do. You know what I mean? So, um, and then let's not even forget, since we're a recovery program, that uh, a lot of uh, illicit activities are forwarded on Facebook. Sure, they are. Sure you know? they are. I, in fact, it's funny. I'm going to say this real quick. But I almost put this on Facebook today because I looked and I got another one of these, um, how can I put it, friendship requests from this really scantily clad female. (laughs) And and, 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 and I almost put on there and said, ladies and gentlemen, before you accept one of these friend request things, make sure you understand that people like me are going to see who this person's mutual friends are. And then I'm going to take you off my friends list. <laughs> oh, I, I have a I have a friend who did that. Uh, you know, just hit accept, accept, accept. Yeah. And I had to warn my friend. Look, you're you, popping I, up on everybody. <laughs> I don't think you want to have this on you because then they invade your friends list. Yeah, yeah. you got to be careful. So, if you want to join the program, because uh, this is this is get us out of where we're going well, this, no, the, <laughs> quickly. No, this is this is call a, and change the subject. This, this is a great this is a great topic we're talking about. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna walk through this man's life and and we're gonna walk through the deliverance that Jesus Christ has has given him. And you're gonna be amazed at how this turns out because we're about to get to the bad stuff. But you can join us at one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. Okay, so you're you're in the marketing. You're you know you're. Uh, you told me earlier you owned your own company. You're up sure. in Michigan. Your your wife's doing great. Y'all are making a lot of money. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and Aaron, so tell us about how the wheels started coming off. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I was born in a family where, you know, we struggled. And, you know, my father was in the construction business, and we traveled wherever the work was, you know, and moved around quite a bit. I was a, lot of, I was a new kid all the time, you know, because that's where we went. So part of what I thought was success was – gathering possessions and whether that be things or people Mm -hmm. or whatever 
I was, you know, that I thought that was my the key to my success. And, you know, I I worked very hard in my career. I advanced very hard in my career and I found myself I was married and, you know, we had a beautiful home on the lake and had a couple boats and about four cars in the driveway and I thought everything thought was you great. Were there, man. And I was drinking like a fish every day. Yeah. And it was absolutely a poor existence for my mental health. Absolutely. That was around 40 years of age is when I first decided that that was when I needed some help with what was going on. I was about 40. That was when I entered my first treatment facility. And what triggered your, your thinking that it was there some specific thing that triggered or was it just uh, things were going downhill? What, ha- what happened? That sent well, you, there? you know, besides besides, you know, poor performance at work and destroyed relationships. Yeah, those are some pretty big, uh, big triggers that hit you right over the head like a sledgehammer, you know. So the first place you went to was in Michigan. And, yes. And I think you told me that you were in that facility for 14 whole days. I was there for two weeks yes inpatient Absolutely. which is you know what what insurance companies out there you know if you're an insurance executive let me tell you you're wasting your money to put somebody in for 14 days that's not <laughs> long enough for right. us to to get a handle on things 30 days isn't long enough either 60 days is maybe long enough for some of us but uh it's long-term treatment programs that whether may you know it could be a combination of inpatient and some intensive outpatient but you can't get your mind straight you can't get free in 14 days now jesus can deliver you overnight and that that's that or in a heartbeat in a heartbeat and that does happen but for most of us that you know it takes us a while to get along that spiritual work. Did you have any spirituality when you first went into rehab? Absolutely none. I spent my entire adult life as an agnostic. Uh, you know, it's interesting because agnostics, I, I, you know, they, it's very hard to, to pinpoint or fathom or understand what, if there is or there isn't a God. And the thing that I always say about agnostics is that, you know, at least atheists don't believe. Agnostics just don't care. <laughs> that's, that's what I was for a long time. And uh, until I needed it. Until I needed, you know, they say that, that gift of desperation. Yep. That's, that's absolutely what I was given. Well, well, what's so wonderful is, is when Jesus performs a miracle in your life, you know in your heart, without a shadow of a doubt, how real he is. And you know, I've I've heard something that uh, there's a book called uh, "Breathing Underwater," um, and uh, it's a wonderful book by a, a, a man of the cloth. and And he says in there, he says, "People that are afraid to go to hell are religious. People that have been there and back are spiritual." Right. <laughs> well, it's like I always said that that uh, the way the big book talks about that moment of incomprehensible demoralization. That's it. It's that when you're an alcoholic and you're stuck in that incomprehensible demoralization. If you were at the point where I was, where I was surrounded by spiritual men, that's the best place to be when you're at that point. Uh, and even if you look at the other way around, I was, it was, I was blessed, and I became very thankful that I reached that point, that incomprehensible demoralization for the things that had happened up until that point right there. I was very grateful that that happened to me right then because I was surrounded by men that were there to help me. Right. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's when you're alone in those situations to where it gets dangerous. Right but, back to that isolation again. Yeah. Where yeah. all I have to listen to are my own great ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which are just get increasingly bad. Right. So, it, yeah, it is It is amazing that, that, unfortunately, so many of us, and, you know, gosh, I wish... I wish I had a magic wand to, uh, you know, Jesus has uh, everything you need. But, I, 
the younger people that that we have to get to that point of desperation. Mm-hmm. It is sad that, that that seems to be so true for so many. And that's of us. usually when you take their cell phones away. Yeah, <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. No, I'm, just I'm not kidding. I'm saying though that we have to wait till we're you were. 55 when you right. went into the open door. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was 53 when I went into rehab. Tony, how old were you? 40, 42. 42. You're a youngster, man. You got there quick. <laughs> well, you get the gold medal because, you know, it. It. I'm telling you, if you think you have a problem, you have a problem. And if anybody's ever told you you have a problem, if, if there's any disruption in your personal or your business life, because of some substance. You got a problem, man. Oh, and yeah. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. So you went to the first rehab, 14 days. How long did you stay sober? 32 days. Yeah. <laughs> 18 days after that. Yeah. With, and right. you did, no relationship with Jesus at None. this point. None. None. So second time, how, how long before you went back into rehab again? The, I was back in rehab probably within six months. And okay. uh, the second time I was in rehab, I, I decided to up the ante. So I stayed for 30 days instead of two weeks. And uh, I was in the same rehab facility that Eminem went to in Michigan. And oh, wow. uh, back those when I had really great insurance, like right. we were talking about, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, Which isn't so great yeah. after all, because all they do is pay for 30 days. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, so 30 days in a great facility. I was, uh, when I left that facility, I felt really good, and I lasted 47 days wow. after that second time in. And uh, it just, you know, continued to get worse from there. And so how many rehabs did you end up going to, secular rehabs? Six secular rehabs, and then I entered the Open Door Mission. And, you know, folks, I uh, there's nothing wrong with secular rehab. It works for some people. But really the point here is, and we've seen it over and over again, I don't know how many people have told me, just like Philip, that they never really got sober until they went to a rehab that had a faith-based component. Now, you can go to secular rehab, and you can on your own – uh, you can come to a ministry like ours, which is in normal times meets at 901 Wilson Road on Friday nights, and and you can join a church group, a faith-based group, celebrate recovery. Right. Uh, it's that, that kind of thing. Ours is called Covenant Recovery Ministries. Or, or you can be blessed like I was to where there are people in that secular uh, recovery place that really know the meaning behind the secular recovery. Yeah. Right. I had uh, my sponsor, you remember, Morgie. Yeah. Um, Bill Morgenstern was the most spiritual, godly man that I ever met in my life, and thank God he was in the rooms of AA. And he wrote a there. book that says uh, it's the wor- the best selling on the worst sellers list because yeah. he never sold a copy of it; he gave them away. He gave them away. <laughs> and the, that the Christian's book, perspective of alcoholics. And, alcoholics. and you yeah. can find that book, I'm pretty sure, on Amazon. No, so, no, you can't. No, he it's published no it himself and, and and gave it out. Okay, but I'm, they're all over the world because wherever he went. And, in fact, when we went to Montana together, he brought and, and dropped a few of them off at a meeting there in the middle of nowhere in Montana, and there was two guys there from the island of Tuck, and uh, they were having sponsorship problems because they only had three guys in the group. Ah. <laughs> True story. Yeah. True story. But they brought the book back there, so it's made its way around. Yeah, I've, right. g- I've got a copy. It's an incredible book. It yeah. really is. Have you ever seen it, Philip? I have not. Yeah. But what it really does is it shows how uh, how the Bible is present in the big book. And yeah, it parallels it's, the scripture it, with... You know, I had written a paper on that and given talks on it, how each of the 12 steps have a biblical basis. Yeah. And then I saw Morgie's book, 
And that just added to my paper because, you know, what's so amazing about the Bible is I found all these scriptures that that, that matched each step and, and told, mm-hmm. told us. And then Morgie found other ones more. I mean, the Bible, you know, I've, I've said this on our program before, too, but maybe we've got somebody who hadn't heard it out there. The Bible I read on the Christian Broadcast Network is a book about recovery. Mm-hmm. It's a book about how to lead our lives. And, you know, people out there, are, I've got some statistics that we may get into in a minute about how many people are under the bondage of addiction. But people are recovering from all kinds of things out there. Absolutely. It's, it's not just addiction. It's greed. It's it's anger. It's jealousy. It's it's uh, you name it. Uh, anger is a big one. Uh, but And there are a lot of people out right now that are confused, upset, and angry because of what our country is going through right now. Well, remember, B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving Earth. There you go. It's an (laughs) instruction manual. What do we hate to do? I hate to read the instructions to anything. I just got this brand new cell phone. I don't want the instructions. The phone's going to teach me what to do. And I wonder why every piece of furniture I put together shook and waved and nothing sat on it right because I didn't follow the instructions. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about a little bit earlier. You know, I went to AA for many years, and you know, I and had a pretty good knowledge of the Big Book. And when I entered the Open Door Mission and was introduced to the Bible and mm-hmm. started reading the Bible, I it was like it was profound for me because I kept going, "Oh my gosh, that's there it is, there it yeah, is, there it is, there it is, there it is." You know, and yeah. I would and I people that I was introduced to and I was meeting that knew the Bible very well but weren't familiar with the Big Book. I was cross-referencing the other direction, yeah. saying, hey, so check was, this out. <laughs> you got a little Tony in you now. Yeah. It was funny, man. It, yeah. Was, yeah. it was amazing. You know, the, the doctor's opinion talks about a complete psychic change. Right. It also talks about in the Bible that a renewal of your mind. Rocking it, you know? rocking, it, yeah. rocking it into the fourth dimension, you know, supercharged I, recovery. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's, it's amazing. Okay, guys, we're, we're hitting the bottom of the hour. I wanna, uh, we're going to get into what finally led you. In the next hour, what finally led you where you were when you got into the open door nine months ago? Yes. Ten months ago? And then when I want to talk some about uh, what the open door does and why this time it was different, the holistic approach that the open door uh, employs, and then I want to talk about... uh, uh, the faith-based component of Open Door. Because as Tony just mentioned, I think that's where a supercharged supernatural recovery comes from. Is when you combine the, the you know, psychological, secular parts of recovery with, uh, with, the, with the faith-based. Tony, take us out. All right. It's Recovery Radio Houston. We've uh, expired our first half hour. The second one is coming up in three minutes. Stay with us. Recovery Radio Houston live. Amen.
Welcome back to Recovery Radio Houston. We're glad you're joining us tonight. Wherever you are, you're in a car, you're driving around, uh, maybe you're going to catch this on a podcast later. We're having an amazing time tonight. We're interviewing our brother, Philip, who has been through the Open Door Mission, and and he has told us thus far about his life and about uh, how he went through uh, you know, had a great career, and then things started going downhill. Went through six different secular rehabs until he finally got to the open door, and that's what we're going to start with now. If you want to join the show, you can call us at one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. That is one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. You know, we'll take your calls. Uh, you can be anonymous. You can make up a name. You can give us no name at all. But you can call and you can join. You can ask questions to Tony or to myself or to Philip. Or you can make a prayer request. If you've got somebody that's uh, under the bondage of addiction, uh, prayer the, is, is a powerful tool. Or if you've uh, got somebody in prison or whatever you need prayer for, we're here for you. So call us at 1-800-808-5548. Uh, you can be anonymous if, you, if that makes you more comfortable. Um, so we'd love to have you join the show. All right, Philip. So you've been through these six rehabs. Um, nothing worked. Uh, you were under the constraints of insurance. There were secular programs. You hadn't found a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. And where'd you find yourself immediately before you went into the open door? Well, prior to getting to open door, I, you know, I'd reached a point, as I said before, that, uh, you know, I was just absolutely incomprehensible demoralization, you know, as Tony just said. And, uh, you know, I couldn't function without alcohol. Physiologically, I was so addicted that uh, I couldn't go more than a couple hours at a time without having a drink before I started going into acute withdrawal systems, or symptoms, excuse me. And uh, you know, it, it's a life of a life of waiting for the store to open, you know, so that so that I could function. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it was ridiculous. I couldn't drink coffee. I couldn't drink water. I couldn't drink anything. Couldn't keep anything down. I couldn't eat. Um, we were just talking in the break that, you know, it would take a good half a fifth of alcohol for me to be able to even function to where I would stop shaking, to where I could see, to where I could actually think. And, uh, you know, it's no way for me to live. I, I didn't do anything but exist. You know, it's, it's funny how we talked about that progression, you know, throughout my career, I, you know, I can remember times and, you know, having a wonderful suit on and drinking $15 martinis and smoking cigars and entertaining clients. And somehow that turns into sitting in the same clothes I've been wearing for five days, <laughs> no shower, not brushing your teeth, yeah. and, you know, not even functioning as a human being, much less anything else. It's know. amazing where it's, it takes you. Drinking straight out of a plastic jug of vodka, you know, I mean, wow. Yeah. This disease is progressive. This disease will will kill you. You know, the wages of sin are death, the Bible tells us. And, and it's absolutely true when it comes to addiction. So how did you find the open door? You you were still in an apartment. You weren't yes. actually homeless at this point. No, I was, I was in an apartment. And uh, I was absolutely unemployable, obviously, based on my physical condition and mental condition as well. Um, but... You know, I knew that I needed help. I, I did reach out to some guys that I knew um, that Tony knows as well. And uh, we I learned a little bit about the Open Door Mission. I went online and uh, and looked at it. And, you know, I, I saw that they were faith-based. And my both of the gentlemen that helped me, uh, Mike and Scott both, they both told me that one of the things that has always hindered me is that failure to take step three, completely willing to turn my life and my will yep. over to the care of God. And that I was never able to do because I wanted my own will. And at that point in my life, I said, you know what? If there is a God, 
He hasn't taken me because I've prayed for death because I didn't want to wake up tomorrow morning and have to do this all over again. And if there is a God, I need help and I need to seek him right now. And that's that's, how I, that's how I ended up at open door. You know, we got a lot of things in common in our story. And one of the things that really got me emotionally in my heart was when you said that, because my mom, before she passed away, she got to the same point where she didn't want to live anymore. And that's, that's, that's a tough thing to have somebody that you love so much tell you that. Mm -hmm. And at that point I had no idea how to help her. Uh, I was just beginning really in my own road of addiction. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's really a sad thing, but God, had different plans for you, my friend. Absolutely. And, and you found out about the open door. And so tell us what's different about the open door than these other places that you went. You know, the open door mission is uh, is a really amazing place in the respect that it's such a holistic approach because they handle everything. Yeah. They, they as as my sponsor says, they take, they take away all the excuses because, First of all, we make sure that mentally you're taken care of if you need any medications. Health-wise, we, you know, a lot of people in, in addiction don't worry about their health, so we make sure that you have medical care and they know what's going on. Thirdly, we look at addiction from a scientific aspect that's based on cognitive behavioral therapy, smart recovery, mm-hmm. you know, psychological, and we go through a lot of those classes. We also go through AA on a regular basis, and we also have devotion Every morning. And you get the full package. We get the full package. So yeah. as my sponsor says, it takes away all the excuses. If right. you can't find something in there, we, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so we've got a little bit of everything. And the, the, greatest, the greatest thing is that, and you touched on it earlier, Tony, is that everybody that's involved, everybody that you're surrounded with is 100% committed to your success. Yeah. Wow. And that means more than anything else in the world. Yeah. I've never been... In a situation before where somebody has, you know, the work life, your career, everything, somebody secretly might be jealous of you or somebody might say, man, I hope that guy loses his job or I hope I get promoted before him. I've never seen that in in where I'm at right now spiritually. I surround myself with people that want all of us to do well. And we go out of our way to help each other do well. You mentioned devotion because the number one principle at Open Door, as I understand it, is Jesus saves. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. And so when you say devotion, that means some people may not understand. You're in church every day. Every morning, uh, praise and worship. Every morning. Praise uh, the Lord. Yes. Praise the Lord. And we were just in there uh, having lunch earlier this week, and right. we were talking about coming in and doing some preaching. Yes. But the guys today are in their f- – what are they doing right now at the Open Door Mission? Well, today we had a, a Step 4 retreat uh, this this whole weekend where we uh, we worked in, in groups to, to work on Step 4 and help the guys uh, get that searching and fearless moral inventory out and dig deep and know that uh, we are new creations in Christ. And you, you now know, we have a chance to work on it. That is so key because, you know, the, for a couple of different reasons. And step four, for people that don't know, is is to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of our lives. We we kind of got to figure out in order to, we're human beings, psychologically get past this. We have to figure out why we got this way. Right. And, and then we have to we have to figure out all the problems that we have and, and all the issues that we have. And then we have to humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings because we can't do it, man. You know, so so getting that nitty gritty deep work, that's what you get in a program like uh, Open Door. That's what you get in really embracing the 12 steps. You know, uh, Jesus can deliver you, but but you, you still got to do the, the work, man. Right. You got you to do the work. So. 
Um, so we talked about it's amazing. It's the open door. They take care of, of health, dental. You know, they get, the, the people get the gold card. You know, Tommy's taking people from the Harris County Psychiatry. I mean, Tommy's going to take over the world, man. Tommy Townsend, the, the CEO. And, and, you know, I just have so much respect for the man and, and, and the work you all are doing. And then they also, for guys, you know, it wouldn't have applied to you, but for guys that don't have their high school education, they get a GED. Um, they Absolutely. try to take care of things like taxes. Because when we're in the middle of addiction, we don't pay taxes. We don't, you know, we, don't, we, we get behind. Right, we don't or, do anything. You know, but sometimes we don't even file, you know. So uh, so they take care of that. And, and then what's, what's amazing amazing in normal times anyway is they provide places uh, transitional living right and then transitional living facility right across the street and we're looking into uh opening some other areas as well we do have a lot of affiliations with with other ministries that have transitional livings too Mm -hmm. but uh open door physically owns the building across the street so that's a that's a transitional living for the guys as soon as they graduate, if if they're qualified for being over there, and then and then get them jobs. That, that's one of the things I'm working on. You know, is yeah. uh, I've been blessed with being able to use the the talent that I have and the career that I've that I've had for many many years to to now put it in application for the good of Open Door. So it's been working out very well. Yeah, our listeners may not understand this because you keep saying we. You work for the Open Door now. Are yes, you, yeah, yes. Okay. I uh, am praise now, the Lord. Yes, I am now <laughs> in the uh, marketing and communications department of, of Open Door Mission. And part of my job is to make sure that people are aware of us and who we are. You know, I'm a walking press release and a walking testimony. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And it's, you know, one of the things that I've... You know that I'm working on is you know establishing us within the community. Um, we're now members of the Chamber of Commerce of the East End, and uh, you know letting people know who we are. Working with different corporations and companies around there to to start up programs where we want to know what the entry level requirements are for your jobs, so that we can supply guys that as they graduate the program with uh, with work within the community, so that they can enter back into the workplace. Um, we have a very strong alumni association that we're building up to where we keep track on everybody and so we're all accountable for each other like Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's working out very very well because you know i don't care if you're the ceo of chevron or if you work at the gas station down the street somebody's got a family member that that needs us yes Mm -hmm. and we can help and let me show you how and if you work with us as a corporation and say you know, hey, let's let's get some guys from the open door to, to come and work for us and start to get benefits and health insurance and enter back into society. By the way, if Bob in accounting down there needs us, I know where to go. <laughs> so we're forming relationships that's around awesome. the community, and that's the kind of thing that I'm working on right now. And, th- and that's what God wants us to do in the kingdom. He wants us to work together in ministries and to help each other and not these petty jealousies that you talked about that, right. that exist in some places. Sure. Forget those, man. We're just all here to help each other. That's 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 what our test is on this earth, man. That's is, is is to help each other out. I mean, there are two main things the Bible can be boiled down to: love your love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and we all need help at different times in life, and and that's what God is, and that's that's the, what I see at the open door is this love. I want to put a plug in for the uh, the Marriott because they've hired a bunch of your guys. So if you if you want to take your wife on a romantic weekend when when things get back to normal, the Marriott downtown uh, with the big pool, the big uh, Marriott Marquis, Marriott Marquis downtown. It's a wonderful establishment and 
And I think we ought to support them because they've hired. And there's a guy that we interviewed on here, Ricardo. It's been there like four years, man. He's right. like one of the top employees right. now. You know, yeah. he, he's done great things there. And there's there are many corporations that are led by Christians that that, that want to help people. And because we were talking in the break about if you added up all the people that are suffering from addiction and all the people that are in recovery in our society. You're talking about a, a lot pretty of folks. Big, a pretty big cross segment. A lot of folks. Addiction touches all of our lives in one way or the other, and you know, even if it's not us, like I said, you you have a family member that could use us. Yeah. You know, for yeah. sure. A- absolutely. Every family's got their pocket of people that need us. That's right. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, if you want to join the program, you can call us at one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. That's one eight hundred eight zero eight five five four eight. So. When you graduated from the Open Door, when was your graduation date? I graduated um, in the end of May of this year, and uh, after being there for seven months, and that was one of the things again that I I wanted to commit to a long term treatment program. As we talked about earlier, that you know short term was not going to work. You know, yeah, you no, take you take forty years of drinking and and think you're going to cure yourself in thirty days. No. That's not going to work. Not <laughs> you know. And uh, even right now, I, I feel like a baby. You know, I'm, I'm learning every day and learning more about myself every day. I'm, you know, my relationship with God, my relationship with Christ is evolving every day. And that, to me right there, that knowing that, that I don't know all the answers, but I know somebody that does, that's, that's it right there. <laughs> you know, doesn't that take a, a tremendous burden off of us? Oh, my goodness. Like you can't believe. Yeah. So what what what... Tell us about that transition from agnostic to making God the central part of your life. You know, it was it was amazing. There was a a gentleman within. There was another client. That's what we call them clients, and that's what I was. And he started talking to me. You know, he had he had a very Christian background. Um, unfortunately, he had succumbed to addiction as well, but he still had a lot of faith. And he started talking to me about faith. And we had conversations about the parallels between the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the Bible. And we sat down one day and he started showing me the Bible. And the next thing you know, it was about three and a half hours later. Hmm. And I was on fire for it. And we went through the plan of salvation. And that evening at a picnic table behind Open Door Mission, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. When was that? That was Five days after entering the mission. Oh man, you know I had I had somebody uh, go into the mission and they didn't stay. They they didn't make the quarantine. That's something we needed. To, the mission's open again. You know there was a time when y'all couldn't take uh, new people in, and, and there's some procedures. There's some quarantine. Well, yes, and you know yeah. we have to abide by you know Harris County and what they're what they're saying, and everybody has to be tested when they come in, and you know they are put into a specific area, a quarantined area that. Uh, to make sure that, you know, until their test results come back and, you know, we have to have procedures in place to make sure that, you know, we, if something does happen, we can, we can contain the situation because, you know, the health of the guys is, is first and foremost. Well, you, you're, you know? it's like, you know, people that are in a confined nursing Absolutely, homes or right. prisons or if you get right. somebody in there, you, you got to be careful because sure. it'll, it'll spread. And I know y'all had a scare early on with, with somebody that did test positive. Yes, so, he was uh, he was a client of ours and he was number 34 in Harris County. He wow. was the 34th case. Yes. Wow, but fortunately that got identified pretty quick and there yes. wasn't a problem there. Yep. 
So, but that's what I was. The point was is is this man that I, I placed there. He did, he didn't stay. He didn't make it past the quarantine because once people get into the program, I mean, I've been there enough. They can sense the love. They can sense the fraternity. They can sense the brotherhood. They can sense the progress. They can sense that everybody, like you said, wants them to succeed, and and so much love there. Right. That I mean, you're accepting Jesus Christ five days in, man. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That is wonderful. Well, you know, it, it's the thing is, is that the people there are people that are unsuccessful. There are people that leave, and you know, I I did that for forty years. You know, yeah. I took my will back. I I said I can do it. Run and from God running from God. And, you know, after accepting where I'm at now and knowing what I am now, I've I've had an opportunity to look back on my life. And I look back on the life that I was shown grace when I never asked for it. Isn't that amazing? When I didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I've actually prayed now and I said, you know, God, all those times I didn't know who you were that you helped me out. Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you for, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't acknowledge you, but I'm doing it now. And, you know, the times that I've been shown grace and when I didn't deserve that grace, you know, wasn't seeking God, but he sought me. Christ died on the cross for us when we were yet sinners. Uh, he's an amazing, forgiving God, and all we have to do is give him a chance well, to come into our lives. That's always the magic turning point is when you finally realize that. Right. That this is something that you didn't earn. This right. Is the, this is something that was given to you for free, and what alcoholic addict doesn't want something for nothing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think true. it'd be a little easier, but we're, we're, we're <laughs> too stubborn. And but we're too, so stuck on our own ways. Uh, you right. know? So once you realize that it's free— you know, and, you know, it's it's unabounding. It's 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 uh, limitless, and all you really have to do to keep it is to give it away. This is it. You know, you know, I really do believe that God has a purpose for everybody out there. Every everybody has in their life. It's just up to us to whether or not we're going to finally accept His hand, this free gift that Tony's talking about, that that the Bible talks about, and and, and accept Him because I, and then. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm telling you, I don't care if you're under a bridge, if if your best friend is under a bridge, if your husband's under a bridge, your wife's under a bridge, wherever they are, God can change things immediately, and he can open doors that, that that's why I love the name of the Open Door Mission, open doors right. that no man can close. That's it. And, and he can he can ch- change things. And, and you know, in, in some respects, it's kind of crazy, but... Uh, it's ironic, but the worse off we were in addiction, the greater our testimony is, mm-hmm. you know. And and God wants to use that, but you got to do your part. You got to give Him a chance. You really do. You know, I say that to you know. It's interesting. I look at my life now, and if you would have told me, you know, you and I talked earlier that, you know, at this point in my life that I'd be uh, facilitating a celebrate recovery class for beginners, mm. and I'd be you know, spreading the word of, of the mission and what we do in, in the community, I would have never believed it. And the you gospel know, of Jesus and Christ. And the gospel <laughs> of Jesus. And, and, you know, it's it's amazing to me that, you know, I tell these guys all the time, I try to talk about addiction not because I know everything, but because I was there and I lived through it. Right. You know, years ago, there was a commercial on TV called The Hair Club for Men. Do you guys remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, let me tell you. Well, I paid attention to that commercial. The guy, the guy said, you know, well, not only am I the CEO, I'm also a client. And they showed before and after pictures. The best testimony that I have is to be able to go out, talk to people about what we do, what I'm doing now, what's going on with addiction. And, oh, by the way, I'm a graduate of Open Door Mission. And here's yeah. what I'm doing. That's right. the best story that's I can powerful. have. Right. That's, it's that's very powerful. powerful. 
The other thing I want people to understand out there is because it is my mom, you know, got so frustrated. She kept trying and it didn't work. And, and you were frustrated, I'm sure, at one point before oh, yes. the relationship with Jesus and, and people that, you know, are white knuckling it. We've talked about oh, yeah. because they don't have that spiritual. They don't take that next step and have that supernatural recovery. I really think the 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 turning point is, of course, surrendering to Jesus. But another turning point is when when you stop being selfish and you start being selfless because we're to follow Christ that's and it. that's what Christ did and when we start helping others I mean you know people have asked why we do this radio show well Tony and I feel like we've been given so much mm-hmm. uh, that our lives were changed in such a miracle fashion well also don't forget what's the number one way to be able to to talk about what we've what we've been given is to be able to come out from underneath the shame and guilt of our sin. Right. You know, until I was able to come out from underneath the shame and the guilt of my sin, instead of thinking that I had to prove to the world how great I was all the time, that Jesus already thought that I was the best thing since sliced bread in the way he made me, that if I, as long as I mirror that and live by that, I don't need to make up any more stories about myself, and I don't need to run from who I, how bad I think I am because of what I've done in my past, because going all the way back to the first uh, being in the, what's the word, being caught in the addiction to begin with is because I'm looking for a way to feel good about myself. Sure. So how do I feel good about myself before I start drinking and drugging? I start making up stories. The little kid that, you know, says his dad is a baseball player instead of the accountant that he is. Right. You know, I've I've done that. You know, the lying, the little stealing things going on and all that, because I feel that my life isn't enough because I'm subpar. And then there are other things, the traumas, the incidents that happen to us as kids. Right. But it's you got to remember the old adage is not about the drinking. It's about the thinking. How did I think about myself before I took that first drink? It's just exacerbated by all the years of addiction. So when I come to that point where I'm at an open-door mission or wherever I'm at or whatever age I'm at, I have to go back through all of that. And the, the, the real transformation doesn't begin until I trust God to remove from me what I think is so bad about me. Yeah. That's, right. that's you know so, what I mean? That I'm not alone. That I'm not the only one. And then that's what catapults me into that next dimension Tony, that, and, and, and puts me in love with Jesus because he died to save me from all of that. And because he loves you just the way you are. Exactly. That is so good, Tony, because I meant to say a, a lot of that when we were talking about the fourth step. You've got to get past the guilt and the shame. Mm-hmm. And when you get, to, you know, when you have secrets, and, 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 you know, everything you said, uh, we drink to get rid of the inhibitions. We mm-hmm. drink because we don't think we're enough. We drink to, right. to make ourselves to bigger. Fill you know, that be- big hole in our soul. Yeah, sure. to belong. Yeah, because that's what addiction is. It's chasing a hole. you got a mm-hmm. hole. And the only thing that can fill that hole, in my opinion, is relationship with Jesus Christ. Completely fill it. Mm-hmm. Completely fill it where, you, where you've got everything you need. But, but those making things up and, and drinking. To, so that fourth step, when, when we have secrets, that's one of the things about addiction. The enemy uses that against us. You know, and you've got to get things out in the open. I need to make a couple of announcements before before we leave. Philip, it's been wonderful having you here. Thank you very much uh, for uh, the we'll, opportunity. We'll, we'll have you on here again. Next week, we're going to, on July 4th, we're not going to be here live in the studio. We'll be here at the same time, and we'll have Tommy Thompson, who's uh, Philip's boss now. My boss. Yeah, yes. and, a, and a great man. And brother in Christ. And brother in Christ. That's that's the most important thing, because Tommy sees himself more as your brother in Christ than anything else, and that's the kind of man he is. Um, but we'll have him on a, a rerun of an interview with him that we did a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month 
month ago. I don't know. Uh, that'll be next uh, July 4th at 9 p.m. After that, we're, we're on the the 11th. We'll be shifting to 4 p.m. And uh, But we'll still be, uh, Tony and I will be here, and we'll be taking your calls and praying for you and having wonderful guests and, and getting information out about the recovery community. You can send us a message on our Facebook page, Recovery Radio Houston, and we'll answer it. Uh, we've communicated with a lot of people there. One more thing, um, you all know that I've started a church plant in the Heights at 240 West 18th Street. Because of the recent developments, it's hard to start a new church, and it's hard to get people to come someplace new, and it's just not the right time. So we are going to delay our reopening. We had three services before the COVID nightmare hit. We're going to delay our reopening until September. So I had announced at one point that we would be there tomorrow, but that's we will not be there. But you can catch us at New Covenant Church Greater Heights on our Facebook page, New Covenant Church Greater Heights. I'm there giving sermons every Sunday at 6 p.m. We praise and worship the Lord. We bring in the Holy Spirit, and then we, we give a short biblical message that we hope helps you in your life. So I want you to know that we love you here at, at Recovery Radio Houston. But more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Thank you, and uh, we look forward to talking to you on the 11th at our new time slot, 4 p.m. Thanks for joining us tonight. Check out our podcast, Recovery Radio Houston podcast. Download them, subscribe to them, save to them. You can listen to us whenever you want. Recovery Radio Houston signing off live.